Hello, I'm Catherine. And I'm Gail. And we are pleased to bring to you today Jacqueline Boyd. Jacqueline Boyd came through came to us through Mary Jane Elegaband, a mutual friend. She's with Coin Insurance. And Jacqueline brings passion and expertise to the field of aging and LGBTQ plus advocacy. A dynamic speaker, facilitator, and entrepreneur, Jacqueline is the owner of the Care Plan, the country's first LGBTQ plus centered care management company. The Care Plan's innovative model of client-directed care produces, provides advocacy, care navigation, and advanced planning for successful aging experiences. The care, the, as part of the Care Plan's leadership, Jacqueline has consulted with national and local local organizations such as ARP, Sage, Howard Brown Health Centers, and AIDS Foundation Chicago to enhance services offered to LGBTQ plus older adults. Jacqueline's a sought after speaker and author, having presented at the American Society on Aging National Conference, Creating Change Conference, the Los Angeles County Older Adult Summit, and the University of Chicago, among others. She recently contributed chapters to the Life Care Management Handbook, Transgender and Gender Nonconforming Health and Aging and authored the guide, Create Your Care Plan, an LGBT person's guide to preparing for medical procedures. So that's quite the resume, Jacqueline. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to have you here. Welcome. Thank you much. <laughs> Welcome to Women Over 70 Aging Reimagine. And, and so we're anxious to hear from you. And Tell us first how you became interested in this work. Well, thank you first off for having me. It's a real pleasure to be a guest uh, and to be able to have these conversations about aging uh, and how we can do that from an innovative or creative way. Uh, I started out in this field when I was 18 years old. I was in school at Loyola and I said, well, you know, I'm learning a lot but it all feels very heady. What actually happens if someone I love needs hands-on care? And so that was what motivated me was I wanted to understand, you know, how do we take care of people in our homes or after surgery or when things get a little tough? And so I became a CNA, which is a certified nursing assistant uh, in nursing homes and psychiatric facilities. After I graduated with my social work degree, I worked for the Department of Child and Family Services, but really missed working with older adults. So then I, I worked in home care for a long time, about 12 years, before saying, well, you know, as a, as a queer woman myself and as a biracial woman, I'm wondering where are the LGBTQ plus elders? Where's the conversation around them? Mm -hmm. And for everybody I had worked with, it was evident that aging was difficult. But after, after supporting thousands of families, I started to see patterns and ways that it could be easier and managed better and even planned for instead of, you know, everybody kind of living day to day and just hoping the worst doesn't happen. You can completely turn that perspective around mm -hmm. and really claim the aging process. And I felt really passionate about it in particular because this is the first generation of LGBTQ plus elders to age out. Mm -hmm. So 
we should be claiming mm -hmm. that. Absolutely. So, so is the need for this community different from other communities? Yes and no. Of course, you know, all seniors deal with some of the same frustrations and challenges. Do I have enough money to support my care needs? Um, who will be there for me if I out my family or my friends? Isolation, loneliness, housing, those are all concerns that all seniors have that deserve to be considered and planned for. Mm -hmm. For LGBTQ plus elders though, they do have unique challenges. Aging happens earlier in our communities, which is not very well known, but we see higher levels of disability and chronic illness by age 50 than in heterosexual communities. So those numbers are in heterosexual communities at age 50, 27% of people have a disability. By age 50, for lesbian, gay, and bisexual folks, it's 41%. And for trans elders at age 50, it's 65%. So those are big differences just in the speed of aging. What there's, accounts for that, Jacqueline? There's a number of factors, but there's a lot of um, social determinants of health, such as the amount of money you're able to make, the support system you have, you know, many of us are familiar with the struggles younger LGBTQ plus people have, maybe being kicked out of their family or, you know, moving couch to couch just to survive if there's um, struggle or if the parents are not accepting of who they are. Imagine that person at 70 or 80. Those challenges have probably followed them for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. LGBTQ plus communities that folks are underinsured often and are concerned about the treatment they'll get when they go to the doctor. Mm. So put things off until it becomes a point of crisis. Uh, we had a whole generation that was decimated by HIV AIDS right. and there was a lot of distrust of traditional right. systems. So I have many seniors that refuse to go into senior care, refuse to have someone enter their homes because they're afraid of how they're gonna be treated. How do you manage that then? What is there, is the, do you, I mean, I know you have the care plan, right? And you've created that because of all of this, I, I presume. So so tell us then, what, what, what answers, what solutions do you have for this community, for all of us? Well, we do a few things. And for folks that want more detailed information, you are welcome to go to our social media. We are very, very active on our Instagram. We do Instagram lives speaking about different elements of aging. And I have a number of YouTube videos on things like how to find an LGBTQ plus affirming provider, how to find a nursing home, how to hire and manage caregivers. Those really tactical skills that most people are just learning the first time with the person they love the most. But some of the things we do as a company is we let people know that we're LGBTQ plus affirming and welcoming. That's the first piece. If people don't see that they will be welcome at an organization, they're not going to call. They're not going to. And so we do that. We also do a lot of education for different organizations that are LGBTQ plus serving. Um, and in addition, we offer sliding scale and free services because we know that many LGBTQ plus elders weren't able to make enough during their lifetime to have a nest egg around mm. aging. Mm -hmm. mm. 
Yeah. I'm making notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whenever possible, I, I think that, you know, what aging does is it invites us to think differently. And I've tried to do that with our company and not just accept that these are the certain pathways people can go on. For example, you know, an LGBTQ plus community, it might not be the children because there's not always children able to support care. Mm -hmm. It might be an ex-partner or chosen family. And so we really get very creative for all of our clients of any gender identity or sexual orientation about quality of life. What can quality of life really look like? Not just assuming, oh, I'll go into a home at some point, or I guess I better go into assisted living. You know, we have, I have clients who have built retirement communities for themselves, groups of five to 10 people their age or a bit younger who want to age together in that fourth quarter of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, are there uh, services that you've uncovered that, you know, we might not be aware of? What, what kinds of things do you, have you learned that you feel are necessary that are not necessarily, that are not necessarily in the common uh, lexicon? You know, what I love about doing this work is that I learn something new every day. You are never bored as a care manager. You really are not because the systems are always changing and the resources are always changing. So um, the way I describe it is that most of us go through life accessing a certain set of services. But when you reach that point of 55 plus, there's a whole nother terrain available to somebody in, in that age bracket that most people don't know. Everything from 55 and up housing that might be safer or a better situation for you socially to all the benefits Medicare offers that people don't utilize. Things like home health, which most of us use when somebody's coming out of surgery or out of the hospital. But you can request that when you see your loved one or when you feel um, that you are, your capacities are diminishing, right? Mm -hmm. For example, my grandfather, he started getting really tired. He was having trouble standing up. And we said, well, let's get home health involved. He's right back to how he was perky. His strength is back. He's more alert. Those services you can utilize or you can ask your doctors about, they might not always mention them to you. Mm -hmm. Same palliative care and hospice care. I always try to bring up hospice because I think people don't understand it and don't understand the role of comfort as we approach, especially that end of life stage. Mm -hmm. People think hospice is just for the last two weeks or when somebody is really, you know, imminent on their way out. I have found that there's typically a point in aging at that stage of life where it's pretty obvious the body isn't recovering, right? We're in the hospital every month to three mm -hmm. months. We're not feeling good. We probably don't want to eat or drink or be around that many people, but we still, most people still continue to go to the doctor, go to the hospital and work from that urgency mode. Mm -hmm. Approaches that stage of life. I try to have a conversation to say, you're actually at a crossroads. Mm -hmm. And yes, you can keep seeking treatment as much as you want, or you can seek comfort and be cared for at home. And hospice is really aimed to be comfort care through mm -hmm. the last six months of life. 
Mm-hmm. Not to, not when somebody has tried everything and then then now we're going home and the person passes in a week or two. It really is a lot of wonderful services, including massage or music therapy, a social worker, a nurse, a CNA to come out a few times a week. The other services I'll mention for Medicare that I just really, really love are in-home doctor visits. Because again, at a certain stage, and especially in a city like Chicago, I, at my age, am not trying to go out in the winter. So for an older adult who might have five appointments a month with different specialists, having that care in home is an option. There's visit home physicians that will come to your home with different specialties, all covered by Medicare. So I think, you know, I really try to focus on comfort with folks, comfort and their decisions being followed at every step of the way. So those are just some of my favorites. But like I said, there's a huge terrain out here. Veterans benefits, um, different types of housing that might be helpful for you or your loved one, caregiving services. There's a million things at all price points as well that I want people to know. If you don't have money or if you don't feel like you have enough money, you still can have choice. It's about getting more knowledgeable and we'd be happy to help you with that. How, how do people actually access some of these these services? Uh, if they don't have a care manager like you, what you know they're on their own and they're they know that they need something more. How do they access home health, palliative care, in-home doctor visits? What do they do? Well, you know, there's a tool that I really like from AARP mm-hmm. called the Prepare to Care Guide. You can use it for yourself or you can use it on behalf of a loved one in tracking and understanding these options, because frankly, you're not going to learn it. You know, I've I've learned over 20 plus years how to do some of this. okay, (laughs) but like I said, it's always changing. So the way I I talk about it is I would never represent myself in court because I'm not a lawyer. I'm not trained. I don't know the lingo. I'm probably not going to do well there. Mm-hmm. Whatever you can do to increase your knowledge is great, but it's okay that you're not going to know everything a geriatric care manager knows or a nurse or a social worker knows, but you might know some of those people. So get education from the folks you know and trust. Look at that AARP prepare to care guide because it it will explain all of these services and gives you a, an actual care plan at the back of it to track your care. And, and document everything for yourself or for a loved one. So if you are just like, oh my gosh, how do I do this? That's where I would start. How about Absolutely. calling uh, Medicare directly? Um, you know, you can call Medicare, but you'll probably be on hold for a long time. Mm-hmm. Their website has gotten a lot better in recent years though. So basically any question you have about Medicare, you can type it into the search box and you'll find a link or a, an explanation. Another resource that is in, you know, is going to be in your region somewhere are the triple A's, the Area Agencies on Aging. And you can call them. The wait time is not usually very long, or you can stop in and they normally have great resources that they can give you or point you in the right direction. <laughs> For folks who are struggling or dealing with a dementia diagnosis, The Alzheimer's Association also does a really nice job of getting you started and giving you 
resources for support for the caregiver, education about Alzheimer's, um, and also they do sometimes do assessments. I was going to ask Jacqueline, as you mentioned AARP as having a very helpful guide, are you familiar with uh, Compassion and Choices? Yes, yes. And are you, do you, are any of your clients um, involved in, with um, th those resources? So I have a few colleagues that are involved and they've reached out to me about LGBTQ uh, concerns in the past. Mm -hmm. And so I am aware of them as a company. And I think that they are really, again, putting this information out there about where there's choice. Mm -hmm. This would absolutely put people in that direction. Mm -hmm. Whatever you find that is helpful for you, because we're each different, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever you find that is helpful for you, Follow that path. You're, we only have one of you and we only get to make those decisions for ourselves one time. So absolutely any resource can be, can be of use if it speaks to you. And yes, have you worked with Compassionate Choices? Have I? Yeah. I would, yes, yes, I'm, uh, I am involved with, and I'm um, involved with our local action team here in Oak Park, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trying to educate people about choice, you know, options available. I'm curious about, Gail asked the question earlier about the special, sort of special needs or circumstances, maybe special circumstances of the LGBTQ plus group or community. I'm, I'm um, generalizing, I guess, in terms, I'm thinking that maybe having a full support system some some will have it but other for others it may be a struggle especially if they have not come out or if they recently come out so can you talk about that a little bit yes and i i really actually appreciate you bringing that up because sometimes you know communities that have been marginalized just aren't as well understood. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important for folks to know there's no one way to be LGBTQ plus, kind of an umbrella term, mm -hmm. different and many different experiences. Um, so my, my mom early plan often, because whatever your experience, aging will go better with a plan. If you're looking at that stage of life and saying, not just what's available, but what do I want? Mm -hmm. What is comfort to me? How would I like to be spending my days when maybe I don't have as much mobility or I can't get around as much? Part of what I also really enjoy about the work I get to do is dreaming and connecting the dots between LGBTQ plus history and where folks are at now, because it's not just doom and gloom. There's a lot of resiliencies and survival mechanisms that people have come up with. Things like chosen family, mm -hmm. if you are connected to your family of origin. Things like shared housing or communal, mm -hmm. which have been really, really common in LGBTQ history and in particular lesbian history. Ways to, you know, bring joy and celebration into aging. Um, I, had a, I had a client once who told me, you know, I just want to go to a nursing home that has a dance party every Friday night. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know that I can find you that, but I can find you one that has a wine, a happy hour. 
that's good. Uh, you know, we've been talking with a number of our guests recently about advanced directives. And, how, you know, what's your uh, take on them? And how do you help your, your uh, clients, you know, take you know, do what they need to do in that regard? Uh, what's your opinion on all that? Advanced directives? My take is please do them. Please do them for yourself, for your family, for your support system, for your physician and your medical staff. Having advanced directives in place is really about choice. It's not paperwork. It is choice and decision-making. Mm -hmm. I'm 39 done for the last three years. I Three years ago, I said, I really need to get this done because no day is promised. It doesn't matter that I'm in my third. Anything could happen at any point in time. And so you don't want to be making those decisions from a place of crisis. So when I say plan early, plan often, advanced directives are absolutely part of that. What we do at the care plan is we support people with talking through those choices, right? So if somebody calls or emails me, what we'll do is have an intake conversation, discuss what their needs are. And if they want to talk through advanced directives, we'll have planning sessions with them around that. Mm -hmm. Work with an attorney for an attorney, we can help you get that done on your own, either through one of the local volunteer legal services, or you can absolutely do your power of attorney yourself. There's the power of attorney for a state you need to have notarized, but the power of attorney for health you don't. The post form, your physician signs, um, and you can do a will online. Even if you think you don't have resources, do a will so that it doesn't go to probate. And I, I feel really passionately about this, again, as a Black woman, because we've seen people like Aretha Franklin and Prince pass away without their advanced directives, mm. which just, you know, it's it's unethical, in my opinion, because their attorney should have made sure that that happened. But it happens on a smaller scale all the time, where maybe there's a family house, but mom didn't put anything mm. in a will or sign you know, do a, a quick deed sign or, or do anything. Mm -hmm. So then they're in probate for seven years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When you talk about advanced directives, uh, you're including more than just a health outlook. Is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Explain yep. that a little more, if you would. Sure. So the power of attorney for health allows you to assign a decision maker around any healthcare decisions you want to have made. And power of attorney for a state allows a decision maker to make decisions about, you know, paying your bills, how the lights stay on, filing your taxes, making sure that your finances continue in an organized way as well. The POLST form, the Physician's Order for Life-Sustaining Treatment, has replaced what we might know as the DNR form, the Do Not Resuscitate form. Mm -hmm. And the POLST form actually gives you a lot more choice than the old DNR form did. It, it gives a physician or a medical team at a glance, what does this person want? Do they want all of the treatment? Do they want moderate treatment? Or do they want comfort and are okay to you know, transition or, or live out their, their life without much intervention? Mm -hmm. It talks about CPR. So one, it's a two-pager, but it's a really good document to have. 
the will um, addresses your holdings in this life, right? Where do you want your money in your bank account or your savings or your home to go? There are other tools like a living will, which goes even more in depth than the post form and the power of attorney form about your wishes. But in terms of the basic ones, you want to have a will, a power of attorney for health, power of attorney for estate, and I would recommend having that post form. But then what do you do with them? And this is the thing that, you know, why we have to get better as a culture about talking about these because you might know, but do your kids know? Do you, does your doctor know? Mm-hmm. Is it on file with anybody else or is it in some drawer in your apartment that somebody has to go find and find and won't be available in that moment of urgency? Mm-hmm. So I always recommend that people have it available digitally. So you, you know, have an email copy available in your in your own drive and that you have an, you email those critical documents to the people that you've assigned. So whoever your POA is, you want to be sure they have those available digitally because if, you know, say you're on vacation and you're in the Bahamas and something happens and your power of attorney needs to have that visual documentation that they are indeed your decision maker. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Very helpful. Uh, you do you do so much consulting and speaking, and I'm wondering: Are there um, certain themes that you're asked to address that you're asked most most likely to uh, talk about? Well, this is a really interesting thing because when I started the business, I had no no desire to, no assumption that I would be doing any speaking or training. It's all happened very organically, but it's led to a whole other arm of the business that we label care development, where we work with organizations, primarily healthcare systems or LGBTQ plus serving orgs or aging organizations. So those are kind of the three sectors that we really specialize in, but we train on a variety of topics and we facilitate retreats and wellness sessions for people. So the primary areas we get asked to to be a visitor and a, a trainer around is typically LGBTQ health aging services. Often we do um, skill development for behavioral health or social service providers around things like trauma-informed care or motivational interviewing or secondary traumatic stress. You know, we, we do training around how to care for the caregiver, so to speak. Uh, and then we do really interesting consulting work where we are facilitating conversations, um, working around diversity, equity, and inclusion issues. I've done some curriculum development, which yeah. has been rewarding because, you know, we've really spent the time to train our team of 15 folks about these concepts and how to meet people where they're at. And it's just a pleasure to be able to extend that wider um, to be sure other organizations are competent in working with elders and LGBTQ plus individuals. What is, what is the makeup of your team? If you... Yeah, we have at this point, we have uh, 12 care navigators. So we have 12 folks working around the Chicagoland area. We do work with people outside of Chicago. So I have clients right now in California and New York and Virginia because the systems are kind of equally hard everywhere. 
<laughs> so we we have from the beginning worked nationally, um, and then we have a team of three trainers that also does the care development side of the work. So if folks need support or if you're just curious and want to learn more, please do reach out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, my email is Jacqueline at the-care-plan.com. The care plan was taken when I started the business. So <laughs> we had to get creative, but reach out. And that's our website too, www.the-care-plan.com. <laughs> How many times do you have to say that? <laughs> are you also are involved in, in trying to influence social policy? Is that part of what you do? Well, yes, yes. It's not a core area of what we do, but I think because of the speaking and advocacy mm-hmm. uh, that right. at the level, I have had the opportunity. Um, Pride Action Tank here in Chicago does a lot of advocacy. And I've spoken at legislative breakfasts with our our state decision makers and representatives. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also am part of a statewide planning group around LGBTQ plus health and aging. So always looking for those opportunities, mm-hmm. but it's not a core part of what we do. Just a just a nice ad. <laughs> for sure. Yes. Well, Jacqueline, you are quite the powerhouse. <laughs> I can't imagine 20 years from now how all of this, you, you, you know, you're just going to make such impact with all the work that you're doing. So congratulations on that. Do you have a, a vision for 10 years from now, 20 years from now? 20 years from now, I really hope to be retired. <laughs> Pretty young. Social work. Very young. <laughs> And I would love to, to um, you know, kind of transition down to less of a, a traditional five day a week schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, 10 years from now, I have plans to transition the business to, you know, leadership that we're mentoring and I believe mm-hmm. in uh, successor planning. And mm-hmm. so already have those things in place because we also act as power of attorney for health for a few of our clients. So, you know, I have to make those plans um, and want to, but I hope that we continue to grow in an ethical way. I don't ever envision, you know, franchises of the care plan that for our industry, for the way we do it, could dilute the the quality of the work. Um, but I, I would like to see other people starting different organizations that bridge mm-hmm. these gaps because there's a lot of gaps. Lots of room for innovation. Mm-hmm. I hear that. Yes. 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 Well, oh, yeah. happy to have you bring this to our attention and our listeners. It's very, very helpful. For sure. Well, thank, you. thank you so much for having me, Gail. When we spoke, I was so excited to participate and support this work because, you know, there's just not enough of a spotlight. Mm-hmm. on women over 70. So as soon as I heard that was the podcast, I said, I'm sharing this with everyone I know. Because <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and to be 70. <laughs> and we just need that spotlight. So thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. You're, you're very welcome. Thanks. Thanks for being with us. <laughs>